Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the second Sunday in Advent, December 5th, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, can be found on page 1593 of your Bible in the pew if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Aturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives for that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You had one job. Generally, that phrase is spoken in the midst of catastrophic and or hilarious failure. You had one job. But what if the person with the one job succeeds at his job? So it is with John the Baptist, the great prophet of Advent. 
John's job was to prepare the way of the Lord. And John, every year at this time, succeeds wondrously and glorious for each one of us. But it's in this one job of preparing the way of the Lord that we can and must understand everything else that's going on in the gospel lesson this morning. And I came to this conclusion after a week of frustrating preparation where I tried to shoehorn at least three or four different outlines on the text this morning. But it's not there unless you see John as his preparing the way of the Lord being the entire purpose of not only the gospel text, but of all of Advent. And so, as we turn our eyes back to Luke 3 this morning, what we're going to see is that John prepared the way of the Lord, just as Scripture says. But we, like good Lutherans, pause and ask, what does this mean? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every mountain shall be filled and every, mount, and every, or every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Luke, this morning, in recording the ministry of John the Baptist sets us up for a massive truth. And that is the truth that what John does in preparing the way of the Lord takes place in history. Now, it's not for nothing that I read all of those names and all of those places twice this morning because it's kind of a pain in the neck. But Luke does it for a reason. And that's because it is true. If Luke were lying, or if the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ were myths, the last thing Luke or God or the Holy Spirit or whomever would want to do is lead a trail, leave a trail of evidence for us to follow that might prove him false. He could just as easily have generically said everything in that first paragraph of Luke 3, and most people would have been content. But instead, Luke name drops, and he does so wonderfully. You have Tiberius Caesar, and Pontius Pilate, and Herod, and Philip, and Lysanias, and Annas, and Caiaphas, and even his dad, Zechariah, all falls into place. And if at any point in that chain of events, that chain of history, Luke is wrong, it calls his message into question. And wonderfully, gloriously, and by the provision of God, as he directs all of human history to give our attention to his son, Luke isn't 
wrong. He's historically accurate. He's factually correct. And so as we look at Luke 3, we're reading truth. And as we look at Luke 3 then, Luke in history is painting for us a picture of John's ministry. And this picture has two parts. First, the picture of Jesus' character and identity. As John prepares the way of the Lord, he's preparing the way for an important dignitary, for a king. And John is the herald that goes before him. And John announces that every path the king takes should be smoothed out and made comfortable. The king is not taking the rugged and rough back roads to his destination. The king is not taking the scenic route. A highway is being paved for the arrival of the king because he's the king. That's what you do. It's almost perfect timing for us here this week. President Joe Biden visited the cities. And when the president arrives in town, he has an entire entourage of people that make his visit from point A to point B and back again as smooth and as straight and as safe as it can possibly be. That's what you do for someone who's important. And when the king happens to be God himself, the herald stops at no lengths to make sure the king arrives safely and comfortably and directly. The second picture that Luke paints for us this morning is of the king's activity. John is preparing the way of the Lord so that there can be a straight line between the king and his objective. This is a picture of preparation not only for announcement, but of maximum opportunity for success. And I think this aspect of what John does during Advent is the part of the picture we often miss as we consider the rest of his preaching here in Luke 3. John, the great Advent prophet, prepares the way of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the great and noble king who is coming. But Jesus Christ is also the God-man who is on a mission. Jesus comes... And when Jesus comes, he always comes to save. As John prepares the way of the Lord, he prepares us to receive Jesus Christ on the cross and Jesus Christ emerged from the empty tomb. In short, John prepares us to receive Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And that is entirely important for us as we consider how John prepared the way of the Lord. John preached the word of God. Back in Luke 3, we read, The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
John is the great prophet of Advent, and John is the herald of the Lord. But even in these two unique jobs and titles, John has one job. He preaches. And in preaching, John prepares us for Jesus. And this is an important lesson in the church today, because in the church today, we still preach. We do that well. But in our preaching, we are often not preparing the way of the Lord. We are most often in the church of today preparing our people to do something else, to do something themselves. Now, before I move on, in and of itself, biblical instruction that encourages and exhorts to activity is not bad, and to apply otherwise would put me in the company of heretics. But it's the nature of the instruction I want to look at this morning. When the church of today preaches, we are most often not heralding the king, we are most often heralding good advice for the purpose of behavior modification. The church of today is quite often trying to produce morally nice people, not Christians. In fact, when this happened, a term has been coined, a religion has been named when this happens. It's called moralistic therapeutic deism. And what it amounts to is something of a vague sense that God is out there beyond the clouds on the fringes of the universe desiring us to have our best lives by being generally well-intentioned and good people. And when that happens in the church today, it is absolute poison. That more than anything else in the church today, is responsible for killing the faith of people in the pews. Because if that is our preaching, we have in fact made a straight and direct path. We've done something that amounts to completing the job. But it's a straight and direct path that leads us not back to Christ, but it leads us either into smug self-righteousness or a life of doubt and despair because we will be robbing people of the assurance of salvation. If you are left on any given Sunday with something to do that is not in light of the risen Christ, that is not in light of the shed blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are left with something to do apart from that, you're never going to do it well enough. You're always going to fail to measure up. Someone else is always going to look more pious than you, or you will be convinced that you are entirely more pious than someone else. But as the Lord's herald, John preaches the Word of God because the Word of God always points us to Jesus. John prepares the way of the Lord by preparing us for the Lord. And in doing so, he fulfills his one job simply and concisely. 
So that finally, what John does is that he proclaims law and gospel. In our gospel lesson this morning, John indirectly addresses the two major errors of the modern church. First, we've already identified moralistic therapeutic deism. But second, as we'll see shortly, is the process of proclaiming and applying the gospel with what we'll say is a method of having no teeth. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I need to be very clear what I'm saying to you. I just said that we can err if we believe the process of proclaiming and applying the gospel has no teeth. But what I did not intend to say is that the gospel itself has some teeth, some sting to it. That's not the gospel. We've already identified that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that, in fact, works as an excellent and functional summary of John's activity in preparing the way of the Lord. And to be sure, the forgiveness of sins is the content of the gospel. But in that, John immediately turns and calls the audience that has come out to be baptized by him a brood of vipers. Now, that's not exactly how you win friends and influence people. I have thought at times, because of this sort of implicit preaching that John does, to open the service in that way. Good morning, you brood of vipers. Kind of puts a whole different spin on the worship service, doesn't it? But, you know, we have a liturgy for a purpose, and one of its purposes is to keep me from doing something like that. John's intent was never to win friends and influence people. Instead, John prepares the way of the Lord by getting us ready for the coming Redeemer by exposing our sin. And he does this by preaching the law. We could analyze how he does this all day long, but it's really not necessary for our purposes this morning because it's surprisingly simple. Without the identification of sins and without repentance, there can be no forgiveness. That's how it works, and that's it. That's John's job. That's every preacher's job because that's the job of the Word of God. Yes, the Word of God always points us to Jesus. But the Word of God often points us to Jesus because we are sinners in need of a Savior. Before we get to anything else in this gospel lesson, before we align and identify ourselves with John, we must first pause and identify ourselves as the brood of vipers. We hear the Word of God and we let it expose our sin and our sinfulness, and we let it drive us to our knees in repentance. John's purpose for you and for me in preparing the way of the Lord is to preach the word 
And to have it have us cry out with the crowds, what shall we do? What is left if we are the brood of vipers? If we might this morning be a tree in need of cutting down, thrown into the fire. And when the preaching of John, and when the word of God brings us to repentance, we are met with the gospel. We are met with Jesus Christ. We are met with the coming King. This is the forgiveness of sins that John was proclaiming at the beginning of Luke 3, and at its conclusion, John simply does this. He steps out of the way, and he points to Jesus Christ. He heralds his coming. He identifies him as the Savior. And Jesus is the Savior. He does save. He will save. He will continue to always forgive your sins. And He is coming again, ready and eager to bring you with Him to eternity. As John points you to Christ this morning, His words of instruction to the crowd then become much more meaningful. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages." John's instructions aren't merely good advice for the purpose of behavior modification. I have to be careful at this moment right now because Joe told me in Sunday school this morning that I need to stop preaching about vocation. Joe, I'm going to preach about vocation because that's what I do, okay? John's instructions to the crowds and to you and to me are to put us back into our vocations to love our neighbors because of the coming and the redeeming King. Jesus is coming, and Jesus is Savior. As you see your sin today and every day, Jesus has come already to forgive your sins message of Advent this morning from John, the great prophet of Advent, is to go from that point, that point where the blood of the Savior covers you and cleanses you from all sins, that point where you have been saved, to go from there and love your neighbor. And in loving your neighbor, you fall into the footsteps of John the Baptist. You prepare the way of the Lord. You, in your vocations, as ordinary and as simple and as common as they are, are God's way of drawing others to Him. And when others come to the Savior, they, like you, will also be saved. Amen. And now, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Amen.